Hey family, this is Javer Fitzbogle and I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that it blesses you. We hope that it challenges you and we hope that it encourages you to see that God is moving in your life. So come grow with us and enjoy the message. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Yo, how is everybody doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Monday night Bible study. Oh my goodness, man. God has been so good to us. My name is Javer Fitzbogle, and I'm the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries, and this is our Bible study. We come together every single week to dive into God's Word and grow in our faith and understanding of who He is and what this is all about is the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to thank every single person for being here with us today. Thank you for joining us. If it is your first time, please, wherever you're watching watching us from, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Zoom, whether you're on Facebook, whatever platform you're on, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. We would love to connect with you. Please reach out to one of our chat hosts. They're going to plug connect with you in the comment section below. Uh, we want to know how you're doing. We want to connect with you, and we want to make sure that we can serve you in any way possible. So thank you so much for being here. Now, if y'all been rocking with us for a couple of weeks now, we have been in this amazing series entitled Evidence, where God has been giving us clarity so that we could see differently that God has been moving in our lives the entire time. We may not know it, but God has been moving the entire time. When you've been in the trenches, God was moving. When you were in the valley, God was moving. When you were in the mountaintop on top of the mountain, yo, trust me, God was moving. He has been there the entire time. And this series has really been helping us to understand that no matter where we are or what situation we're in, God is with us in season and out of season. Make me evidence. I believe that today we're going to dive into God's word. It's going to give us clarity. It's going to shape our perspective. And it's just something that I'm really excited to talk about tonight. Tonight we're talking about week five in our series entitled Evidence. I pray that tonight's going to be a blessing, man. I'm excited. Are you all excited? If you're excited, put it in the comment section. Yo, I'm excited for this message. I'm excited for this word. I pray that this word is going to give us um, a different perspective of our personal walk and relationship with Christ Jesus. Now, if you've been rocking with us for the past four, now five weeks, you realize that we have started talking about this man of God named Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. Moses is a really cool guy. He's really unique. And his story, I think, is very relevant to more people than we even probably think about sometimes. Some people think, well, I just can't relate to Moses. I relate to like a David, right? But this whole series has really helped us to understand not only who Moses was, but who and how God chose to use Moses. We learned that Moses was sent into a specific land, right? We know this land was Egypt, that God used him to infiltrate into the system or the place where he was called to be. So we know that Moses was sent in for a specific reason, and Moses didn't realize that he was sent in somewhere until he was older. Last week, we began to talk about how Moses was in a specific place where he realized, wait a second, even though I'm royalty, y'all ain't my family? Okay, okay, wait a second. So you mean to tell me that my family is outside? Okay, okay. It's in this place or in this position 
that we now realize that Moses understood that he was raised up to be something that he did not know, he didn't even recognize. So today we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to talk deeper into this message entitled, this series entitled Evidence. And I pray it's going to give us perspective. It's going to allow us to see things differently. And I pray this Word will find us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to pull the Word out. Pull out your daily bread if you're in-house. Pull your Bibles out. If you're online, pull your Bibles out. We're going to talk about this. Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Yo, I'm really excited about this word tonight. I, I really pray this is going to bless someone's life. I know that God brought this word specifically for somebody. Exodus chapter 4. We're going to read the first five verses, and we're going to dive into tonight's Bible study. The first five verses, Exodus chapter 4. Now, if you have your word, you have your Bible, you got your phones, let's jump into it together and start reading. Exodus chapter 4. It says, Now then Moses answered, but behold, they were not, they will not believe me, nor will they listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it, verse 4. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it. And it became a staff and in his hands that they may believe that God is Lord. Then God, of, excuse me, then God of their fathers and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then they will know. I'm going to read that last verse again. It says, and then they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, which is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has then appeared to you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for today. We thank you, Lord, for this moment. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, that you would open up our eyes so that we could understand your word tonight. Father, let this word find whoever it needs to find in this moment. Let it give clarity to those who cannot see clearly. Father, remove the clutter from people's ears so that they can hear your word and receive what you have for them today. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's talk about it. What has been happening in this context? What's been happening in this scripture? What's been happening for the last few weeks? We realized and we learned last week, we started talking about Moses and the burning bush and how Moses found himself in a very unique position where he had to now recognize and identify the voice of God. We talked about how Moses identified this bush and the bush was so crazy. He was like, wow, this bush is on fire, but the bush is not being consumed. And it trickled down into now this conversation that we have here in uh, Exodus chapter 4, where we are learning that God is having a conversation with Moses. Now, I don't know if y'all can relate. I know I can. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure everybody can relate to this at some point, where you find yourself having conversation with God. Like in the back of your head, whether you hear him audibly, whether you see him in whatever form, whatever, you find yourself talking to the Lord. You're like, yo, God, I don't know what I'm going to do today. God, what are you talking about? We're going to do this. Wait, God, what do you mean we're supposed to go and do this? God, what are you talking Moses found himself in a position where he was having conversation with God. 
And out of the conversation, we see Moses now stepped into a place of, of, of uh, uh, a place of where he was feeling insecure and he was lacking confidence. And now we start our text here in verse one. Let's read it together. We're going to go through verse by verse. And we're going to really understand what the scriptures are saying. So now Moses now having this conversation with God in verse one, he says, then Moses answered back to the Lord. The Lord was telling him in this moment, hey, I have something for you to do. You ever had these moments where God is telling you, hey, I have something for you to do. My son, my daughter, I have something for you to do. Moses was in a position where he had to now take what God was telling him to do and process it. And I think we've all found ourselves in this position at some point in time where God told us to do something and we really had to process what God was saying. Yo, God, what are you saying? Moses then answered to what God was telling him to do in this moment, which was to go into the land that I took you out of. You see, God took Moses out of Egypt. And when Moses was in Egypt, he was a prince. And now he's out of Egypt, and he's not a prince from the Egyptian standard, but now he steps into a different spiritual area of royalty. He then says, Moses then answered, but behold, basically he's saying, but God, uh, <laughs> but God, there will not they will not believe me, nor will they listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses was in a position where he was feeling so uncomfortable with who, what God had told him to do. He said, no, listen, I understand that you're telling me to go and do this, but... God, they're not going to get me. They're not going to see where I'm coming from. Have you ever been in a position or you felt at a certain point in your life, right, where God told you to do something and you questioned him because you had a perception of what the outcome of something might have been or might would have been? Like, you know what, God, I really can't go and do this because my boss don't like me. You know what, God, I really can't go over there and share the gospel because my dad doesn't really believe in the same thing I believe in. You know, I can't really go over and tell him I don't want to have sex before marriage because he might get mad at me and I don't, want that, I don't want that to happen. Moses found himself in a position where he was having a back and forth rationale with God. The problem with this scenario is that you cannot rationalize what God says. When God tells you to do something, it is what it is. We learned in the last, the last text that God was saying, I am who I am. God is unchangeable. He is indisputable. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning his word is applicable then as much as it is applicable now and vice versa. Moses found himself in a position, and this happens to us quite often, when we hear clearly from God, but we have doubt in our mind that it's really him telling us to do something. Right. It says, but we concern ourselves with the things that other people say almost even more than we concern ourselves with what God is telling us. Have you ever found yourself in this type of position where we didn't know, we don't know exactly what God is doing? You don't know how he's doing it. But what we do know is that God said to do something and we're trying to get ourselves out of it. Moses found himself in a Jonah-like situation where he was trying to get himself out of the assignment that God put over his life. But the idea in situations like this is that we are not to avoid what God is telling us to do, but that we are to pursue it with confidence and faith in him. Confidence and faith in him. Moses had more faith in imagery uh, or an imaginary response of what people would possibly say about him than he had faith in the tangible voice of God. 
Moses heard from God. How many of y'all are like, man, I just want to hear from Jesus. I just want to hear from you, God. I just want to hear from you. I, I, look, I get you. I, I, can't, I don't want to get what you're saying right now, but I just want to hear from you. Moses heard from God, yet he still had other thoughts in his mind. Moses dealt with a lot of things. One of the things Moses dealt with along insecurity was people-pleasing. It was being in a position where he was not, how do I say this, bold enough in who God made him to do what God called him to do without question or reproof. And I think many of us can find ourselves in this place where we're saying, God, I hear you, but this is how my life is currently set up. Okay, God, I know you're telling me I got to leave this job, but the way my bills are looking, you know, God, I get it. You want me to cut off that relationship, but look, he's been so good to me. You know what? The way she do me, she just do me right. You understand? She, she just does me right. I, God, what you want me to say? It's in places like this where obedience is much better and it's more resourceful than sacrifice. Moses had more faith in believing what people would say about him instead of believing what God said to him. I want to challenge each person here as we dive into this text to build this idea and this, this mindset, right, that God made us with a specific agenda in mind and that nothing else should derail us from what God has called us to do, not even the opinions of others. Y'all stay with me. Think about this question, right? What in your life do you believe more of opposed to what God has already said to you? It's these types of things that begin to separate us from the way we think, from the love of God, from other things, from obedience. It's certain things in life that cause separation between what God wants us to do and from the things that we want to do ourselves. What is it that you preference over what God has told you? Do you preference personal opinion or do you preference God's decision? Moses preferenced opinion. And so he said, they won't believe me. He said, they won't listen to my voice for they will say, and they'll mock me, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord God did not appear to you. Now, now, now I don't know about you, but I found myself here before where I realized that some people just didn't believe that God told me something. And, and, and you know what's crazy was I, I had to get to a place to where I was okay knowing that people didn't believe certain things that came out of my mouth. But I had to move forward in confidence and obedience and faith that I knew that God knew what I was doing. You see, Moses had the ability to respond and do not based on what others thought about him, but specifically what he knew God told him. The Lord said to him, verse 2, now what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Now, this is very important because I want this to frame the whole outline of this message. Tonight, the message is entitled, Hand Me the Evidence. 
hand me the evidence. What is in your hand? Hand me the evidence. He says, now what is in your hand? And he said, Moses now speaking to God, a staff. What is in your hand? A staff. Verse 3, and then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses immediately ran from it. <laughs> this is crazy. Because the very thing that Moses had in his hand was the very thing he was running away from. And how many of us can find ourselves in this type of thinking? Where God gives you something, and it's the very thing that you avoid. I remember when we started this ministry, I ain't going to lie to you. I ran away from this for a cool minute. I said, God, I, look, I hear you. I get that you want me to do this. I understand that you want me to go into this specific environment and do a specific thing. But look, the way my schooling is set up, I'm trying to finish nursing school. You know, I, I really don't know if this is going to fit for me. I, I really don't know if this is going to make sense for me. And it was in that place, in that season, God began to deal with me. He began to show me what was in my hand. He said, son, look, I've given you this. I've given you this. I've given you this. I've given you this. But even though I've given it to you, it means nothing if you do not use it for my glory. In the moment where I realized, and I was reading in this text, that Moses immediately ran from the thing that was in his hand, verse 4 began to stick out to me. It says here, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand. Now, now this is heavy because this helps us to understand something that I think is not really spoken about much when it comes on to this passage of scripture. The very thing that Moses immediately ran from, God stopped him and said, now reach out to it. Now, this is powerful because I personally believe in my spirit that God will not only create opportunities for you to pursue purpose and assignment and the agenda that he has over your life, but he will create avenues through faith for you to step out and accomplish. It is by faith that God is pleased. It's by faith that miracles happen. It's by faith that certain things are done. Every miracle that has occurred in scripture has occurred because of faith. Not just because God is God, God can do whatever he sees fit, but faith is required. Everything Jesus did was in faith. It says now, verse 4, but the Lord said to him, Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Why the tail? This is so interesting because the proper way to handle a snake is not by the tail. You, you, you don't handle snakes by the tail. If you're an experienced snake hunter, you either grab it by the neck or you get a stick and you pinch it by the neck and you hold it by the head. You never grab a snake by the tail. Why? Because that immediately means you're going to get bit. It made me look at this scripture and say, wait a second, wait a second. If I was Moses and I was in this position, not only was I afraid that it was in my hand, but I would be afraid to pick it up. Why would God tell you to pick up something from the wrong end? Maybe because God wants you to have the right faith. Moses had to take a leap of faith after he took an act of obedience. 
God told Moses to drop it. That was an action that Moses took in an act of obedience. But it required faith over fear to embrace the thing he was afraid of and pick it up in a way that God told him to, but it doesn't seem right. Sometimes God will tell you to do things that don't make sense. <laughs> you want me to pick up the what? By the, by the what? Oh, no, no, no. Th this can't be God. Because if it was God, he would never put me in a place of danger. But the problem with God, I'm call it a problem, but the thing with God is that God will always tell you to do things as a result of faith, and he always has a greater agenda. I think that at this particular point in time, Moses' spiritual immaturity began to come out. Because although he spent time with his people in the land, he grew up in Egypt. It reminds me of the word ignorance. When you don't know better, you can't do better. Doing better has everything to do with knowing better. And when you know better, you can do better because you have understanding. I believe it's in the book of James that says, teachers, you're held more accountable. Why? Because you know better. Which means that application is required so that you can do better. Moses was in a position where he may not have had all the answers, but he had to make a decision to obey even when he didn't have the answers. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Why? Obedience has nothing to do with condition, just response and reaction. Sacrifice has everything to do with calculation and merit. When you sacrifice, it's saying, you know what? This right here, I got $100 in the bank. I got a bill that's about $80. Maybe I can give 20. Uh, but what if you give the whole hundred? A sacrifice hurts. It doesn't make sense, but it goes against rationale. Obedience is no matter what was told you, you're going to do it. When God tells you to move, will you move just like that? When he tells you to go check yourself, will you check yourself just like that? When he tells you go down the hallway and pray for the person you don't like, will you do it just like that? Or will you begin to mathematically, systematically break down why you shouldn't or why it's not good? This is a natural inclination of man to challenge God in a way that makes sense. But we cannot challenge God because there is no one that can challenge God himself. Moses was in this place. He had to take a leap of faith after he took an act of obedience. You see, it was easy to drop the stick. Oh my gosh. But it was picking up the stick that required faith. What happens when you give God what's in your hand and he gives it back to you as something else? Will God take this from me? Um, the Lord says, now I need what's in your hand. And you're like, okay, cool, bet. And you give it to God, and then he gives it back to you, and it's something else. Like, like when you think about it, this is what kind of hits different, right? We read, we read about this two weeks ago, talking about Moses, his mother, and how she laid him down, or she gave him up. 
because she knew that the river, somehow Moses was safer in the river than he was in her arms. Powerful thought for a mother. And she laid down the baby in such a way that she was able then to pick it up again. She gave the thing that was in her hand, but it came back to her in the same way she gave it. But, but what happens when you give God something and it comes back to you in a completely different way? It comes back to you as something else. To you, so, so God gave me assignment in return? Wait, wait, God, I just gave you my yes. I, why are you giving me assignment? Oh, okay. <laughs> Y'all don't want this. Like, I gave God my desires. I gave Christ my, all of my desires in them. Somehow he came and he gave me back purpose. Or, or, or what would you say when, what happens when you give God uh, uh, the best parts of you, but he gives you back adversity? Like, like God, I gave you my time and somehow you're giving me more labor. I gave God my job. And then God gave me a ministry. It would almost seem as though sometimes God will give you something back that you didn't give him. But it's always related to where God is taking you. Moses gave up the stick that was in his hand. It came back as a snake. Which is so interesting because at that point, I don't want it back. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. I don't want it back. God, I gave you my stick. You should be satisfied. You, God, you should be good. You should be good about now. God, I gave you all the money in my bank. You should be, I tithe. It was end of year offering. I gave it up, God. You should be satisfied. I don't, I don't want back. I don't want no more problems. I don't want no more adversity. I don't want all the people coming to my job. I don't want it. I don't want it. But, but, but somehow, obedience is much better. And when you can find what God, where God is speaking to you and you follow his word, it will always give you security. But it's always going to need faith. Like, like, like you'll always be covered, but God always wants your obedience. It says here, what was in your hand? He said it was a staff. And then he threw it on the ground. He was afraid. He ran from it. But then the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Catch it by the tail. He told him to catch it by the tail specifically because he needed faith. God requires faith so that certain things can be done. So he put out his hand. This is the middle portion of verse 4. He put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff. So he picked it up by the tail, the place where you're not supposed to pick up a snake from, but because he operated in obedience, he received the benefit, which was a miracle. You see, sometimes when you don't act in obedience, it's not that God won't move, it's that you don't receive the benefit of what God wants to do in your life. In that moment, I know his faith went up. It says that so he went, he caught it, and it became a staff. Wait a second. So Moses had a staff in his hand. Because of his obedience, he watched God turn it into a snake and turn it back into a staff. 
why, what is it about this staff? Why did God choose the staff? Is it because it was the only thing in his hand? Let's talk about it. When God sends you in, he always gives you what you need to come out. Moses had what he needed in that moment to respond to what God was telling him to do. But Moses was more concerned about what the people would say instead of understanding that number one, God was speaking. Number two, God gave him all that he needed to respond in obedience. So Moses found himself in this particular position. He said, well, wait a second, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my words. They're not going to do any of this stuff here. So the Lord said to him, now, what is in your hand? He said, I have a staff. Y'all go with me to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2. All the way up. I know it's far. He said here that there was a rod in his hand. And I'm not a genius, but, but when I thought about it, I said, wait a second, is there a difference between a rod and a staff? Because I feel like they're like one in the same. They should be one in the same. Because when I read in now the King James Version, the King James says that it was a rod. Okay. Well, I'm reading English Standard Version. It says staff. They've got to be the same thing because it has to translate, right? But you've got to go back to the Hebrew and you've got to go back to the King James. It's going to show you what it is. It says, okay, so one says a rod, one says a staff. So I began to do my homework. And I began to learn that the rod and the staff are both one different and the same. The rod and the staff is both different and the same. How do we know this is true? In Psalms 23 and verse 1, it says now, I'm going to read the first uh, four verses of Psalms 23, 1 to 4. It says, now the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name. Not for Moses, not for you, but for his name. Verse 4, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wait, wait, wait a second, God. You mean to tell me that they're not the same thing? Well, well God, show me. And as I began to do my homework, I began to study a little bit more of the rod and the staff. So, so, so this is what I began to understand. The rod, in essence, is the portion of a staff or the stick portion of a staff. That in this particular case, it's always used to correct it's used to write. It's used to search over the lamb. It's used to search over the shepherd. That the rod is the portion of that animal, or the, of the sheep specifically. The rod is a portion of the stick that is used to protect the sheep. It's used to fight off enemies. It's used to do all these sort, sorts of things. Why is this relevant? It's relevant because it's only a portion of the whole stick, what we're going to call it today. You got a rod, and then you have the staff. Well, well, let's talk about it. Rod comes from the Hebrew sorbet or sebe, however you pronounce that, which specifically means it means ruling or walking of correction. We talk about the staff, which is found in Leviticus 27 and 32. It comes from the, the Greek word, which is mate, right? And it's rendered as staff or crook. At the end of the stick, there was a curve on the end that was called a crook. So you kind of have, imagine like a walking stick. You're used for walking, the end of it is a rod, and the top of it is a crook. The top portion of that rod is used for correction. 
It's used to guide the sheep into safe places. It's used to help the sheep out of hard situations. It's used to divide. And it's also used to cover. So I said, wait a second, God. You mean to tell me that this rod that was in his hand was more than just a stick? It almost seemed as though this rod was about, it had different capabilities to it. I said, well, God, this must have been, it must have been about the rod. It must have been. And the Lord began to show me something powerful about the rod. He said the rod actually specifically represents authority to God. The rod itself of a shepherd represents authority. Wait a second. If the rod represents authority, then was it that God was speaking to the physical rod itself that Moses had in his hand? Or was God speaking to the authority that Moses had in his hand? You see, the very thing that you have in your hand isn't just a thing. When God says, my son, what do you have in your hand? My daughter, what do you have in your hand? And the first thing you do is you pick up a pen. And you pick up a pen in your hand. And you say, yo, all I got is a pen, God. All I got is a pen. We sometimes interpret this scripture, and it's perfectly fine. We're talking about revelation. where we say, oh, well, God, it can mean anything. God, it has to mean anything. But may I motion to you this? That just as he was literally talking about the rod and how the rod is a symbolic reference of the power of God, that every single one of you have a rod in your hand? You well, no, no, Javier, I, I, don't, I don't have a rod in my hand. Yes, you do. That pen is a rod. God says, my daughter, what do you have in your hand? God, all I have is a pen, so right, it's a rod. Because the rod represents the power of God. God, what, what is it that's in your hand? That's what he says to you. What is in your hand? Moses looked up and he saw the power of God in his hand. But the question I have for you today is what do you see in your hand? Is it a pen? Is it a book? Is it, I don't know, some other gadget or gizmo whereby you look and you say, but God, I'm, I'm not an author. Well, God, I'm, I don't think I'm meant to change the world through videos. Well, God, I don't know if I'm, I ain't tech savvy, so maybe I should just sit in the back and keep my mouth shut. What has God put in your hand that represents his power? The rod that Moses had represented the power of God. Moses had no idea that God was about to do something crazy with his life. But he didn't need to know. All Moses needed was obedience. Can you recognize the power that God puts in your hand when he tells you to look at it? Or is it just a stick? Is it just a stone? Is it just a rock? Is it just a computer to you? Is it just makeup to you? Is it just athletics? It's just sports. Sometimes God will give you a unique aptitude to go into certain places. And we talked about this. Moses was sent to infiltrate. And a part of Moses' purpose being infiltrated into Egypt had everything to do with what God gave him. What's so powerful is this. Moses did not have a rod until he left Egypt.
Egyptian, I'm telling you, when you live in Egypt and you're in the, you're in the prince, you're in the uh, the palace, Auburn Hills, <laughs> you're in the palace. You don't have rods. You got horses and chariots. You got people carrying stuff for you. Humble scenarios. And he said, I want to take you off of your high horse, put you in a position where you have no sense of royalty. Although Moses was royal in the kingdom. And I'm going to give you a tool that embodies the power of who I am. Sometimes God will allow you to be in certain places just so you can discover what's in your hand. Moses did not have a staff then, but he had a staff now. Where has God brought you to that you didn't have then what you have now? What is in your hand? In verse five, it says, and then that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of uh, the God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, excuse me, has now appeared to you. What does this passage mean? It's very simple. All it means is God has given you something not for yourself, but he's given you something specifically for his glory so that he can be God in your life, so that he can be the glory that others can benefit from. God has given you skills, he's given you a gift, he's given you talent, he's given you so many different things, not for your benefit, but for his glory and for others' benefits. What is in your hand? I'm gonna close but I want you guys to really hold on to this last verse here. I want you guys specifically to go with me to Ephesians 3, 16 to 20. I want to read it here because there was something that God was showing me at the end of this passage that I feel draws a very interesting parallel to this idea of handing me the evidence. You see, it's not about you. It's not even about what you have, but it's always about what God is doing. It's about God himself. And God will always make sure his plans come to pass. If it's not through you, it's going to be through you. If it's not through me, it's going to be through you. God's plan always supersedes my purpose, but he gives us purpose to fulfill his plan. Ephesians 3 Verse 16 to 20, it says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in inner being so that the Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have, excuse me, power that may have power together all with the saints around you to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ Jesus. And to know that his love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all that is the fullness of God, not the fullness of you, but the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ever imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Mm. To him be the glory to the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and ever and ever. Amen. I read this text and the Holy Spirit brought me back up 
to Exodus chapter 4. And I began to read verse 1 again. He began to show me something. In verse 1, it says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The second portion, the first portion of verse 2 says, Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? You see, Moses was concerned about the people. And his response to what God was saying was, number one, they won't believe me. And number two, they won't listen to my voice. Hmm. But, but God's response, as I was reading the scripture, or whether or not they'll believe the words that come out, but it's also about what I am doing. I said, well, what do you mean, Holy Spirit? And then he showed me. He says, then Moses answered, verse 1, and behold, they will not believe me. I'll write that down. Belief. Then he says, nor will they listen, listen to my voice, which is words, to listen to the voice, which is the word, right? And he says, but the Lord then did, the Lord uh, did not appear to you in verse two, it says, now this, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? I said, God, what are you doing? He brought me back over again to, to Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 to 20, and I began to see it come to life. He said, now I pray that out of this glorious, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. The power through his spirit actually comes in verse one at the end, excuse me, in verse two, where it says, the Lord then says, what is that in your hand? The power of the miracle that God performed in Moses' hand had nothing to do with Moses, but had everything to do with the power that was on the inside of him. So, so, so God did a miracle because there was power in what Moses had. God has power on the inside of you. Y'all stay with me. This is very important. So he had power on the inside of him. That power was the Holy Spirit which is in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Who? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What is faith? Belief. The only way you can have faith is to believe. Romans 10 and 10, verse 9, verse 9 and 10 says, Now if you confess and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Believe in who? You believe in Jesus. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So as he was talking about belief, I heard the Lord say that belief was not for Moses because he already believed. But the, the belief was actually for the people that God was telling him to reach. So, so he could not believe, but the belief was about Jesus. The power was the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. It says, and I pray that being rooted and established in love, that we may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that the love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of which the fullness of God filled to him be the glory in Christ Jesus forever and ever through all generations. Amen. The Lord began to show me here where he was in this text. He says, son, we are all one and the same. And although Moses was in a position where he was looking to, to help others, but he didn't want to do it on God's accord. He's saying, hey, they won't believe me. They won't believe what I'm doing. They won't believe what I'm saying. 
But I, I felt the Lord was showing me in this text that, that God was trying to get through to Moses that it had nothing to do with him, but I want them to believe in me. I want them to believe in Jesus. I want them to see when they talk about listening to my voice, that still small voice, which is God, listening to God, and then talking about the thing which is his, in his hand, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. God is the voice. Belief in Jesus to what is in your hand, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. God has everything for you in you. And it's not for you, but it's for people. It's not for you to convince people God will do that. The power of the Holy Spirit will do that. And so he says, don't worry about it. What is in your hand? I'm going to send you with what you have because what you have is me. And what I'm giving will convince them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about how long it'll take. Don't worry about how many times I got to come and visit them. Don't worry about how many signs I have to do in your life. Don't worry about how many things I have to change in your family. Don't worry about how many things I have to change at your job. Don't worry about any of that stuff. All I need you to do is to be obedient. If you will be obedient, they will find belief in me, not in you. They will find, they'll hear my voice, not from just you, but they'll hear my voice in you and through you. And they will experience the revelation and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is evidence enough. Give it to me. Hand me over the evidence. I'm going to take care of it. As I was preparing this text, I felt the Lord was just sharing with me, it does not matter how much you try. You see, Moses could have, he could have been like, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make them believe. I'm going to make them see that God is. I'm going to make them this. I'm going to make them hear the voice of God. I'm going to make them see this. But guess what? There's nothing Moses could have done to further enhance what God was doing. All God wanted was his obedience. All God wants is your obedience. You see, God has given you everything you need to go in and come out. Some of you, God put you in a very unique situation with your family, with your parents. You don't know why things just don't make sense at home. He put you in there for a reason. But everything you needed to go in, you have all that you need to come out. What has God given you? Moses had belief. He heard the voice of God, which is in the bush. And then he looked at what was in his hand. These three areas of focus pilot what God wants to do in your life. He will always come to you so that you can believe in him. Then he will speak to you so you'll know what to do. And then he'll show you what you have so you can go in and do through Christ Jesus. According to the power that works on the inside of you, Ephesians 3.20. The power that works on the inside of you is faith. It's the Holy Spirit. No matter what, family, and I'm closing here, God has given you something, even if you don't know what it is. And when you give it to God, he can do so many things with it. He could give it right back. He could give it to you very different than the way he gave it to you. But sometimes you don't need to know. God will tell you if you need to know. 
And if you need to know, he will give you the clarity and the understanding to do according to what he wants, not to what you want. It's not meant to be comfortable. You might, not, you might be considering all the possibilities, but God, they might stone me to death if I go in there. God, they might cut off my head if I go in there. God, if I go and tell them that, you know what, I might get in trouble. God, if I go and do this, you know what, I might lose my job. But it does not matter what the opposition is. The only thing that matters is what God told you. Go with the strength that you have. Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you, Lord, for this message. I pray, God, that you would plant this seed where it needed to be planted. I pray, God, that you would grow it up wherever it needs to be grown. Father, increase it in the right place at the right time for your purpose and your plan for our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would use this word to change someone's perspective, to give them clarity where they cannot see clearly, or perhaps receive you as their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives, in this ministry, and in the lives of those that have come to listen here today. I pray, God, that you will bless it right now in Jesus' name. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is an opportunity um, for you right now to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this God that we talk so passionately about. Um, I just pray in this moment that you would take that step of faith, that leap of faith. And if that's you and you realize, you know, I'm living below where I know God wants me to be. There must be more to life than where I am right now. There's so much in my hand, but I don't know what to do with it. I just need direction. I can't see things clearly. I'm having trouble at home. Perhaps there's trouble in my family. Whatever your situation is, I want you to know that Jesus is the way. He's the answer to every problem. He's the solution to every situation. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I just pray in this moment that if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. And if that's you, I want you to repeat these words after me. Father, we just thank you. Father, I thank you because I realize today that you're doing so much in me, more than I can see without you. I pray, God, that you would come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Protect me, restore me, renew me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, comments, testimonies, or prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message to the Detox Movement on all social platforms. And be sure to get your official Detox brand merch at thedetoxbrand.com. And above all things, family, remember that you are loved, you are blessed, you are beautiful, and most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. And until next week, family, God bless you.